This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let me talk to you about guns generally, because there's another horrible mass shooting yeah. in America. The difference about America, almost exclusively of anywhere in the world, is that America has 400 million plus firearms in circulation. The Second Amendment is not about a technocratic judgment about maximizing or minimizing the number of people who were killed. Why is it the country that still gives hope to the free world? One of the reasons why is the Bill of Rights. And the Second Amendment is the one amendment that gives teeth to all of the other amendments in that Bill of Rights. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Arm Scholar Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be responding to a conversation that happened between Vivek, uh, one of the Republican presidential candidates, and then also Piers Morgan. Vivek, thank you so much indeed uh, for joining me to, today. They had a conversation about gun control, and Piers Morgan is known for being um, anti-gun, wanting gun control, potentially comprehensive bans on things like rifles and magazines. And Vivek is one of those individuals who I think is very interesting. He's had some very solid conversations about firearms. He's been on a variety of my friends here on YouTube. Their channels, for example, Coleon Noir, my friend Coleon Noir. Vivek has been on his channel talking about the Second Amendment. He's had conversations with individuals like Brandon Herrera, again, another friend. And so I think Vivek is very tuned in with the Second Amendment, at least what, with what our community you know, appreciates about the Second Amendment. He understands firearms probably a little bit better than some other candidates. So in this discussion, it's really just interesting because you have Piers Morgan trying to structure some questions in a way to trip up Vivek. And I think Vivek does a really good job and an interesting job in combating some of these anti-gun gun control talking point. So I just wanted to react to some of this, have a conversation, and then add some additional context from someone who's a Second Amendment advocate, a Second Amendment attorney, someone who talks about this stuff every single day. Now, before we get further into this podcast, I want to thank the sponsor, which is Kershaw Nice. Kershaw makes some of the best knives available on the market if you're looking for a quality EDC knife. I carry a Kershaw Iridium knife every single day for my EDC, and I cannot recommend their knives enough. And right now, if you order through Kershaw using the code YT20SCHOLAR, you can get 20% off of your order and free shipping on orders of $50 or more. So head on over to Kershaw Knives, pick yourself up a quality EDC knife, and again, thank you to Kershaw Knives for sponsoring and supporting this valuable two-way content. Let me talk to you about guns generally, because there's another horrible mass shooting. Yeah. in America in the last few days, 18 people killed. Um, I saw your tweet response, and it was a very conventional Republican response to mass shootings, of which there are now so many, you can almost hardly get over the one before, before there's another one. And it was all about mental health and this and this and this. the one thing you didn't... I mean, it's really important. Topic. I know, it's I know. Not, it's not like a mental health. I, know, I mean, this is a real we, fundamental topic. Many other States. countries have mental health problems just at the same level that America does. The difference about America, almost exclusively of anywhere in the world, is that America has 400 million plus firearms in circulation. So when people are mentally unstable or sick, they have easy access to guns. And you didn't mention the word gun in your in your statement. And I was curious, why not? Do you not think that guns play a part in gun massacres? 
So I think one of the interesting things with this whole discussion, and, and Piers Morgan does this a lot, and I think he's one of those individuals who understands the law enough and understands firearms just enough so that he can push his anti-gun agenda, his gun control agenda. And what he's doing here is he's trying to skew some of these conversations. So in his question with Vivek, he's asking him, you know, when these types of incidents happen, why is it that your side always talks about mental health? Well, the same can be said about his side. Why is it that they completely ignore mental health, never push for mental health solutions, never address the reality that people are evil, that evil has existed in our, in our world forever, and you cannot completely just legislate it away. And maybe you should actually do things like enforce the laws that you already have in place, restructure the criminal justice system so we actually punish these evil people who engage in these evil actions like shootings, these school shootings, actually maybe potentially institute the death penalty once again, because a lot of states are not even doing that. So there's no real punishment anymore for these evil people. So a lot of the times they completely ignore that one solution, which is mental health, criminal justice reform and in situations like that. And what do they automatically go to? We can say the same thing of them. Why is it that they only push for one specific solution, which is gun control? They always want comprehensive bans, confiscations, you know, whatever is kind of the hot topic at the moment, things like so-called universal background checks, um, bans on so-called assault weapons, which even when they talk about bans on assault weapons, there is no comprehensive definition or no true legal definition of what is a so-called assault weapon in their mind. So, I mean, the point of this is a lot of times you will see these questions being structured in a way that is very biased, of course, and they're trying to use whatever little bit of knowledge they have to skew the question to make it seem like they have the moral high ground, that you don't care about the lives, that you don't care about the children. A lot of times, they, they you know, don't you care about the children? They try to skew it in a way where they take the moral high ground and structure the question in a way that makes you look bad. And I think Vivek does a really good job at addressing this and talking about how when you look at maybe some of the mental health issues in the U.S., it is a very important and prevalent problem. Maybe we should start with that instead of play, putting in place even more gun control laws. We have thousands of laws on the books, but obviously it's solving nothing. And then all that, you know, all they ever want to do is put in place more gun control because, hey, the last ones didn't work. We just need more. And then also there's just a ton of issues with their definitions of so-called mass shootings. A lot of times those statistics are skewed by organizations like the FBI and the CDC. Um, they're skewed in a way where it includes things like gang violence and really they include anything where you know three or more individuals are injured in some way during a shooting and it can include the perpetrator themselves and a lot of times again those statistics skew in a way where they include gang violence and they try to act like it's just these incidents that happen in areas like buffalo maine uvalde nashville that's not at all what those statistics show there is much more going on than just those high profile incidents that the media likes to push well obviously guns Definitionally, per your you know mm. question, somewhat tautological there, guns play a role in guns massacres. They don't play a role in massacres of think, other kinds. Do you think guns kill people? I think people kill people using guns and using other instruments to do it. So again, I think uh, I just don't want to interrupt a ton, but Vivek is doing a good job pointing out how Piers Morgan is skewing these questions. He's asking, do you think guns play a role in gun violence? Well, Again, you're structuring the question in a way where how am I refute that? Because you're asking a very specific ontologically structured question where, you know, you couldn't say that. But I think and he's saying as well that 
evil people commit evil. You can't just completely blame it, blame it on the gun. The gun is just a tool. And so I think, again, he's pushing back against some of these questions in, in the way that Piers Morgan is structuring these. Who has a home in America. I can go and get a semi-automatic rifle very easily tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm not even an American citizen. I just have to apply for a hunting license, give my American address, and I'll, and I'll get yeah. access to any firearms I want. I can, I can kick myself up like Rambo, right? Legally, legally. What I can't do in America is buy a Kinder Surprise chocolate egg. They're banned on safety grounds. Well, can, I think that makes no sense. You're a very bright man. I'm a medical you food choice to me, absolutist. Can you explain to me why it's deemed more dangerous that I should have a chocolate egg with a little toy inside it that might choke people compared to an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle that could slaughter a lot of people in a very short period of time. Um, now, first he talks about how he feels it's absurd that even though he is not a US citizen, all he needs is a hunting license and all he has to do is give his address and then he can go purchase whatever gun he wants. Now, there's a lot of issues with that. I don't know specifically where Pierce Morgan lives, but that we all know that that is not the case at all, especially the way he's phrasing this. Again, I think he knows just enough about the laws, knows just enough about firearms to then act as if he's an expert on the topic and then try to paint you in a corner when he asks you questions. You know, I don't again, I don't know what state he lives in. There are some states where you could use your hunting license, potentially if you're um, a non-resident or, or something of that nature. Um, but it's not simply that he would just walk in, show a hunting license and then gets to walk out with whatever firearm he wants. If he is purchasing legally from a gun store, he's still going through a background check system, which is run by the FBI. He's filling out a 4473. They are making sure that he is, in fact, Pierce Morgan, that he is not a prohibited person under the variety of federal laws. The 922, the U.S. 922 sections, um, you know, the G section one through whatever, uh, making sure he's not a prohibited person. He's not subject to a domestic violence training order or other things that could potentially make him a prohibited person. So it's not like he's just walking into a gun store and there are no checks on at all on who he is. And he's just, again, walking in and out. And they try to, again, have just enough knowledge about firearms to skew their questions. Now, again, pushing back, he's just saying, oh, I can just purchase whatever firearm that I want and I can be kitted like Rambo. Again, he's Hollywood. You know, he's placing this in a way where it's trying to make it seem like Hollywood, where he's just having all these full auto firearms, he's whatever he thinks he can purchase. And I'm not sure if he's ever actually purchased firearms, but that's not true at all. We all know that you just can't simply walk into an FFL and purchase whatever you want, especially in some states. There are heavy restrictions on the type of firearms you can purchase. Um, some states even have SBR bans, like here in the state of California or suppressor bans or magazine bans um, or AR-15 bans, and I don't agree with any of those at all. But again, Piers Morgan is completely glazing over the reality of what it is to actually purchase firearms. At best, what he is purchasing is a semi-automatic civilian version, uh, which is, you know, a AR-15. That is what he is purchasing. Um, that is one of the most common firearms in the in the U.S. It's in common use by millions of people for lawful purposes. It is the most common firearm. He's probably, other than that, purchasing a Glock handgun, which is probably one of the most prevalent handguns in the entire U.S. And so those are really the firearms that the average you know, U.S. citizen is purchasing. So he's not getting kitted like Rambo. He can structure the question however he wants. He can try to skew the narrative however he wants. But we know that's just not the reality. He's not getting kitted like Rambo. He's just getting kitted like the 
average U.S. citizen who is purchasing something like an AR-15, a shotgun, a handgun, and maybe a hunting rifle. That's what the majority of people are purchasing when they go to gun stores. So I'm a pro-freedom person, and so I'm not going to sit here and defend some other foolish restriction that the United States has Mm. on a million things that I'm generally against. But I can speak to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not about a technocratic judgment about maximizing or minimizing the number of people who were killed. The Second Amendment is about something else altogether. Mm. It's analogous to the discussion we just had about free speech. It's a different value judgment. Are there risks to allowing free speech? Yes, there are. But we bear those risks because that's who we are, Mm. that we trade that risk off to say that's how we preserve freedom when it comes to the First Amendment. The Second Amendment makes a similar value judgment. The purpose of the Second Amendment actually wasn't to allow people to have the freedom to hunt. That's not what it's about. Mm. It was about repelling and keeping a foreign, in that case, started British monarchy at bay. It's like mutually assured destruction in the Cold War. Both sides have nuclear weapons. Well, that's how you assure a stable peace. It's a mutually assured destruction relationship between the citizens and their government, between the governed and their government. Right. That's what this is about. Mm. And so... Why is the United States of America still, for all of our imperfections, 250 years into this ballgame, still the place that when you open the borders, as sadly one administration has, people don't go running out, but they come running in? Why is it the country that still gives hope to the free world? One of the reasons why is the Bill of Rights. So first, I want to address the whole question where Piers Morgan is talking about, well, why can't you have this one chocolate egg with a toy on it? Why is that more regulated than firearms? Again, I don't think that's true at all. If you look at the thousands of laws surrounding firearms, both federal and state, you would see that obviously firearms are way heavily regulated than this chocolate egg. But just because this chocolate egg is banned, that doesn't mean that I should agree that firearms should be banned. If anything, I think the U.S. potentially banning or regulating this chocolate egg with a toy is absurd and just points to the fact that our federal government, our federal regulations are overbloated. They have gone beyond what our founders ever intended. And that's a stupid law. And we should get rid of this stupid law, which is regulating this chocolate egg. And that doesn't mean that then we should just completely ban and confiscate firearms. Now, the next section that Vivek hits on, again, which is really intriguing to me and I think is important and really kind of um, interested me in this conversation that Vivek is having is the true purpose behind the Second Amendment. A lot of times you see these anti-gunners or these gun control people like Piers Morgan talk about how the intent of the Second Amendment was never meant for the individual person. It's only tied to the militia. And and Piers Morgan mentions mentions this later in the discussion. But the reality in which we all know is the Second Amendment was put in place to ensure that the populace that the individuals were well armed so that they could push back against a tyrannical government, either foreign or domestic, so we can push back against our own government. And that is found in multiple writings by the founders and just the reality of the fact that when ratified in 1791, the founders had just come off of a revolutionary war. They had just fought back against a tyrannical government and understood the purpose of having the populace armed in the average person arm so they could push back against those tyrannical governments. And the fear also was that the government structure that they were putting in place on their own could potentially also become tyrannical one day. And so these citizens needed to be armed to fight back against that. So, you know, Vivek talks about the Second Amendment giving the Bill of Rights teeth, and that's absolutely true. Some people talk about how the 
core of the Second Amendment to the fundamental core of the Second Amendment is simply for self-defense within the home. You know, you, you've had discussions about that in the Supreme Court in cases like Heller and Bruin. You know, that is one aspect of the Second Amendment, your individual right to self-defense. It's an important aspect of the right. There are some outside ancillary aspects of the Second Amendment as well, like your right to hunting, um, your right to train and target shooting and some of those other rights. But also, I believe at the core and the fundamental aspect of the Second Amendment is the populace's right to keep and bear arms so that they can fight back against a tyrannical government. And that is one of the main purposes of the Second Amendment. So I appreciate that Vivek is talking about that here. And then he goes on to talk about Something that I found really intriguing, and I wonder if he recently read the uh, Supreme Court's decision, uh, Thomas's majority opinion in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Now, if you're not aware of what Bruin was, it was a six to three decision issued by the United States Supreme Court authored by Justice Thomas, and it was in relation to the state of New York's uh, carry permit scheme that they had put in place. They had a May issue permitting scheme. Uh, which relied heavily on something known as the proper cause standard. And for you to get a concealed carry permit in the state, uh, there was complete discretion that was given to the issuing agencies, uh, a proper cause standard, which was very hard to meet. You cannot just simply put forward something like self-defense to get your concealed carry permit. And so that was challenged. It made its way up to Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court in that 63 decision struck down this may issue concealed carry scheme um, said potentially that the baseline could be something like shall issue. Uh, they struck down things like the use of the interest balancing approach, which is really what Vivek is talking about here in which was also addressed by Justice Thomas in the majority in Bruin. The denial of the balancing of interest in the, uh, you know, tiered based scrutiny or intermediate scrutiny. What had happened in a post-Heller world after the Supreme Court issued their decision in Heller was there was a lot of lower courts like the Ninth Circuit, the Second Circuit, and others who tried to balance interests, who tried to balance away our fundamental rights. What they often said was there is the public's interest and then also the government's interest, and you weigh that against the fundamental rights to keep and bear arms. And under the intermediate scrutiny and the balancing of interests, they always found that the government and the public's interest outweighed our fundamental rights, and therefore they would always just give a rubber, rubber stamp to whatever government restriction was put in place, like this May issue scheme, like magazine bans, really whatever. What happened in Bruin is they went to a completely different analysis. Uh, they reaffirmed the proper analysis, which was outlined in Heller. They said, no, you don't use tiered-based scrutiny. You don't use ever intermediate scrutiny. You don't balance interests Instead, you just use text as informed by relevant history and tradition. You look at the text of the Second Amendment. Is it conduct or is it something protected by the text of the Second Amendment? If it is, then a categorical ban or any restriction on it is invalid unless the government can show through historical analogs or evidence, a historical twin or something related uh, dating back to 1791 that shows that potentially the government could put in place this restriction. If they cannot prove that, then it is prohibited and that law must be struck down. So that is what happened. Now, in that discussion, there was a very specific line that maybe Vivek is mentioned here. And Thomas talked about how at the time, the seven, at the time 1791, when the Second Amendment was ratified, the founders weighed the public's interest. They took into account whatever potential harms that could come out of a populace being armed. They already 
did the public interest weighing. They already weighed the risk, and they found that when it came to the potential harms that could happen because people are armed, that did not outweigh the potential harms that could come from the, pe the populace and the people not being armed and the government having all the control and what would happen if that government became tyrannical or if there was a foreign invader or something of that nature. They found that this risk here of the people not being armed greatly outweighed whatever harm could be caused if people were armed. And so that balancing of interests happened at the time of the ratification. So that's why we don't balance ever again. That was already taken into account by our, by our founders. And that is what Vivek is mentioning here. You know, it was something that was taken into consideration, not just for the Second Amendment, but all other fundamental rights, like in the First Amendment. And so that was something that was already done. So I, I'm curious if Vivek has read the Bruin decision. It seems like he potentially has because he's pulling some concepts and some arguments directly from the discussion that happened in Bruin, which again, gives you tools to fight back against these types of questions which are being asked by people like Piers Morgan. And the Second Amendment is the one amendment that gives teeth to all of the other amendments in that Bill of Rights. So that's a value judgment we make. The Second Amendment was not written with the question well, my, of but, what minimizes the number of deaths. No, Those it, are other policies. It, it was, you could arm yourself as part of a well-regulated militia, and then over time, actually, until the 80s, uh, in America, it was considered by the Supreme Court to mean just that. And then as the NRA got more political and became less apolitical, and some hardcore Republicans got onto the uh, board of the NRA, they then put pressure on the Supreme Court, which they eventually were successful in doing, in reframing the interpretation of the Second Amendment to mean an individual right to bear arms. And what has I think the history is a lot more complicated. But what has happened, and it may be a complete coincidence, but what has happened since that reframing of that interpretation is that the number of mass shootings in America has begun to skyrocket. So I think that in the data that you cited, a lot of confounding variables, one of which is the rise of mental health crises in mm. this country. Mm. You can look at data points over certain periods where before you really saw a rise in violence, you could see per capita gun ownership being about flat over the same period that you did see violence and killings rise. Mm. One of the biggest explanations is the shuttering of psychiatric hospitals in this country. I mean, you ought to draw the lines of correlation. There are many ways to draw lines through a scatterplot. Over the same period that you saw the shuttering of psychiatric institutions, you saw almost a direct inverse correlation in the other direction in the rise of violent crime in this country. So that's kind of the last part of the clip, and there's a lot in there that we need to address. One of the first things to push back against Vivek is Piers Morgan walking out this kind of overused argument that the fundamental right to keep and bear arms that's mentioned in the Second Amendment is not tied to the individual's right at all, that an individual does not have that right, that it's exclusively tied to the militia. Now, this is something, and even he recognizes in his conversation, that is no longer valid. It has not been a legal valid argument for many, many years, but he tries to skew it in a way as if the Supreme Court had originally recognized that the individual right to keep and bear arms was only tied to the use in the militia. Now, in one regard, it really doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It matters what the founders believed the Second Amendment was intended to mean. Um, the Supreme Court, is, their only purpose is to look back at what the founders intended and then to write precedent according to that original intent of the founders, you know, originalist in a textualist way. Now, there may be some justices who want a more 
progressive living constitution analysis. Um, my opinion is I think that is uh, legally corrupt. I think that that should never be used. I think we need to use a more originalist and textualist approach. Um, the intent of the founders is paramount and should be of most importance. But when Piers Morgan is he again, he knows just enough, I think, about the legal world and just enough about this to try to skew his questions. Now, he talks about how the Supreme Court had always said that the Second Amendment was only tied to the militia. What he's referencing there is the McDonald opinion, I believe. Um, and it's or the Miller opinion. And it's interesting because when you look at the Second Amendment jurisprudence, when you look at the constitutional law in the Supreme Court analysis surrounding that, the Second Amendment has not by any means been fully flushed out. There is only a handful of cases that the Supreme Court has taken and decided in regards to the Second Amendment. So for Piers Morgan to say, oh, well, the Supreme Court had always you know, so-and-so said that the Second Amendment was tied to the militia. Well, he's only referencing one case that was one of the first Second Amendment addressed cases that potentially popped up and really hadn't fully flushed out what the understanding of the Second Amendment was. And as we've gotten the follow-up reviews, you know, in Miller, uh, you know, McDonald, Heller, Caetano, and Bruin, they flushed out that no, by no means was the Second Amendment ever intended by the founders, which again is the guidepost. What was the intent of the founders when they put in place the Second Amendment? They never intended it to only be tied to the use of a militia. It is an individual's right of self-protection, self-preservation to fight back against a tyrannical government. And some of those things are tied to, of course, self-defense within the home, self-defense out in public. And now we're trying to flush out some of those other areas, um, you know, public carry, uh, concealed carry, open carry, your right to certain arms like magazines, ARs, things of that nature. And those things are being heavily litigated now. But for, you know, Pierce Morgan just to simply say, oh, the Supreme Court had always said this, and then they were persuaded by the NRA, and then they changed their mind. That's just simply not true at all. And even so, it doesn't really necessarily matter what the Supreme Court says. What was the intent of the Second Amendment? What was the intent of the founders? And there is plenty of historical evidence that points to the founders and their intent behind the Second Amendment, it being an individual right. It had by no means exclusively been tied to the use exclusively within the militia. And, and even if you just look at it in a logical way, do you think the founders would have said, hey, these individuals only have a right to keep and possess arms, to keep and bear arms, only if they serve in the militia, only if they have the government's hand over them? No, they would have never agreed to that. They would have never intended for that to be the way that the Second Amendment should be interpreted because they just fact fought back against a tyrannical government. So they and, you know, the structures that we have now put in place in the federal government, they also would have never agreed with any of those because they had an inherent fear of an overbearing government and they would have never wanted the government to have exclusive control over your access to firearms. And that is what individuals like Piers Morgan and the other anti-gunners are pushing for. Now, to address some of the issues surrounding the NRA and their influence that they grew to you know, prevalence in, it's all the NRA's fault. Again, whenever I just hear someone like Piers Morgan or the other side pointing to the NRA as the big bad guy, it also just shows to me that they're not very in touch with the issues right now, that they are not in touch with the Second Amendment community at large because the NRA has been a huge issue when it comes to the Second Amendment movement. Uh, the NRA does some things good, but they've also done a lot of bad. For example, you know, Trump recently 
stated very clearly that it was the NRA who told him that, yes, he could use executive action to go after and ban bump stocks. So the ATF put in place their bump stock ban, treating them to be machine guns. And then that snowballed into other ATF actions under the Biden administration, uh, which led to things like the pistol brace ban, the frames receivers ban, the restrictions on force reset triggers, unfinished frames receivers. All of those things was a direct result of the NRA telling uh, Trump that he could do that type of executive action. The NRA has been. Uh, silent on a lot of issues. They are not heavily engaged in a ton of litigation, fighting back against various state laws and federal laws, which restrict access to firearms. Uh, I think one of the good things about the NRA is they act as a huge shield uh, for the anti-gunners. You know, the anti-gunners and people like Piers Morgan are always attacking the NRA. And the good thing about that is you have other organizations like FPC, GOA, um, SAF, a lot of other amazing organizations that are doing a ton of amazing work. A lot of the legal actions and wins that we get come out of those other organizations. And the NRA kind of takes all the bullets while those other organizations do all the heavy work. So it just also shows that Piers Morgan is just not in tune at all with what's really going on in the legal world, who is actually doing the true work uh, when it comes to two way organizations. And the last thing I want to address is that last section that Vivek talked about, where Piers Morgan is trying to say, oh, you know, since this happened, we've seen a rise in in crimes, yada, yada, yada. You know, the issue with statistics is you can find any statistic to represent your side. There are, are plenty of organizations out there, especially on the anti-gun side, that will run these analysis to create skewed statistics to prove their own point. They have a conclusion that they want to meet, and then they create the analysis to meet that conclusion that they want. It's also proven, which Vivek is talking about, how you know you could also find plenty of statistics that show that at the same time that crime was rising and mental health issues are rising in the U.S., it was directly potentially correlated to us shutting down certain institutions and putting less of an emphasis on mental health issues. You can also show that there's a correlation between the uh, decrease in actually punishing people, the use of death penalties. I think this is a really interesting conversation. I don't know if I necessarily, you know, by no means am I saying, you know, this is something that skewed me to want to vote for Vivek. I, you know, I don't think that he will make it out of the Republican primary. I don't think that he will be the lead in the Republican primary. I think all polls are pointing to the fact that Trump will be the uh, Republican candidate. Um, I think probably at best Vivek is putting forward some strong arguments and maybe he's going to get a role in some way in the Trump administration if Trump is voted in. Um, but I, I find it intriguing. I think Vivek is very in tune with the Second Amendment more than any other potential political candidate. You know, it's people like Ron DeSantis um, are interesting. He's done some interesting things in Florida when it comes to the Second Amendment. But I think Vivek is having very open and honest conversations about the Second Amendment. He's gone on, you know, friends of mine's channels. Um, again, like Colian Noir had a whole discussion with him. I think he's met with people like Brandon Herrera and others and had open discussions about the Second Amendment. And he seems like he's very open to learning more about the Second Amendment. And I like some of the things he's saying. Whether or not those are his true beliefs, I don't know. You know, but even recently, you know, before me filming this, you know, I think it was yesterday, he put up a video of his wife shooting, going to the range, him going to the range. So I think he's in some way tied into this issue. He understands the importance of the Second Amendment. 
He understands how important it is to a lot of voters. And so he's, you know, leaning into that and he's trying to show that he appreciates these issues and potentially he would be a champion of the Second Amendment. So let me know what you guys think down in the comment section. Do you agree with some of the points from Vivek? Uh, you know, do you think he's a Second Amendment candidate? Uh, do you think he truly believes in your right to keep and bear arms? Let me know what your thoughts are down below. If you're listening to this on the audio side, uh, make sure you're following either on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Pandora. Really, it's available absolutely everywhere. So if you you know want the audio only version, it's available on almost all podcast platforms. If you're watching this on the channel, make sure you like, comment and subscribe, share this around. And then also, if you'd be interested in the audio side, you can find links to that down in the detail section and also in the pinned comment. So thank you guys so much for all of your support. And never forget, this station was built by Arm Scholars and the station will be maintained by Arm Scholars.